to Bullpen Sessions, where you will learn the lessons from the athletes excelling at the highest level so you can take these same lessons and apply them to your sport, business, and life. My name is Andy Neary, and each week I sit down with current and former pro athletes and other professionals tied to the sports world where we dive into the mindset of those athletes excelling at the highest level, teaching you lessons you can apply so you can have massive success in your sport, business, and life. So do me a favor, grab your glove, grab a ball, take the mound, because you are about to strike out those limiting beliefs that have been holding you back for oh so long. Here we go. All right, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. I am honored and excited today to have um, Frank Menger join the Bullpen Sessions podcast today. If you're not familiar with who Frank is, Frank is the founder of EBM, the nation's largest benefits technology provider. He's uh, as a leader of in, of the in the employee benefits technology field. He has helped bridge the gap between insurance and technology-driven solutions for brokers, consultants, carriers, and employers nationwide. Frank founded EBM with the mission of providing brokers and benefit consultants with an outsourced affordable approach to leverage best, best in breed technology solutions. And under his direction, EBM has been able to develop partnerships in all 50 states. So Frank, man, I'm honored. Welcome aboard. What's up, man? Glad to be here. Uh, appreciate you having me on as a guest. And of course, our relationship goes back a little bit. We've been vibing for a while, so excited for today. Yeah, no, and for those listening in, you're not you're not going to hear two insurance nerds jam here for about 20, 25 <laughs> minutes. What we're actually going to talk about today, Frank, is your entrepreneurial journey, because here in 2021, you earned a very uh, well-deserved honor of being named to the Inc. 5000. And as we, as you, as I know, just from listening to you, that was not an overnight success. And so let's just level set and start right there. You often talk about your humble beginnings. And so why don't we just, for the people listening in who have no clue who Frank is, talk about where you came from and just talk about those humble beginnings, if you, if you may. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's all you know relevant and part of the story, I think, especially for sort of people who might be tuning in and think, you know, stuff is just outside of their reach because uh, I've been there many times in my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, the short version of the Frank Mangard story, I was born in Hollywood, Florida. Um, you know, we were just, uh, you know, my parents grew up. I got two um, younger siblings, a brother and a sister, and I have an older brother. So all of us, we lived in a two bedroom house. Um, you know, we didn't know that we didn't have stuff um, because everyone around us didn't have anything. And, you know, we just thought it was normal, our, our upbringing. Um, you know, we were kind of rednecks. Um, and and that's, you know, the terminology that I can say that because we were all, you know, part of that um, in our neighborhood. And and that's really, we all kind of, you know, just got, to, got together, played outside old school stuff, um, but didn't have much, but didn't, again, didn't really realize it didn't have much growing up. Um, parents got divorced. Uh, my mom had aspirations of moving to, to Connecticut. Um, and she brought the kids with her, um, came up to Connecticut, um, and things didn't work out. Um, she moved back down to Florida. My dad was here in Connecticut. I stayed with my dad. So sort of that whole, you know, divorce kind of drama that uh, again, many people, so many people have been through the divorce piece with you know, my, my mom, my dad, you know, just split and new friendships and all that stuff. So, 
all that happened, um, you know, really torn between, you know, being with my mom, being with my dad, ended up staying here in Connecticut. And that's kind of where I established myself. Um, so I've been here ever since. Um, love Connecticut for sure. Um, you know, I'm a, definitely in my heart, a Florida local love to get down there, but, um, yeah, I've been up here for a while. Um, and, and just been, been busy, you know, trying to, trying to make it happen, tinkering with different things. Um, some have worked, some haven't, uh, learned a lot along the way. And, um, it's definitely put me in the position to exactly right now where I'm standing right now, everything that happened in the past has really got me to, to just be actually just sitting here on this podcast with you. Well, and you're one of the, the, you know, unique, rare, uh, breed that I may call that, that you've been an entrepreneur really since day one, meaning day one, since you entered the work world. And do you think you were born that way? Were your parents entrepreneurs? Where did you get that spirit to, to be able to take that risk at such a young age? Yeah, so I'm definitely not from any entrepreneurial uh, heritage that, that I know of. Maybe you know, way back when it could, could be possible, but um, it, the family that I know, you know, not entrepreneurial. My um, my mother was a stay-at-home mom raising four children. My father was a truck driver, um, retired as a truck driver. So as far as long as I remember, my dad he was a truck driver. Um, so yeah, not entrepreneurial. But you know, when I look back. Um, I see things that were entrepreneurial in me that, you know, it wasn't, you know, nowadays it's like cool to be the entrepreneur and stuff, but growing up, I did things that were very entrepreneurial to me. Like I pushed my, my lawnmower around my neighborhood everywhere. I would push it around, mow lawns. I would do basically anything to make, to make some money. I used to bring candy to school. I was the guy that sold candy every morning all throughout the day. I used to get in trouble selling candy in school. So, and that was as early as, um, you know, probably 10 years old. Um, so very early, um, when I was in school, I, I ran the bookstore and I, you know, kind of sold stuff and things like that. So I had these tendencies. Um, so it's been with me for a long time. Don't know if somehow that snuck into my DNA along the line, but I've always tried to figure out ways, uh, to, 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 to provide a service and make money. You know, it's funny you bring up the whole candy and taking candy to school to sell it. I feel like I have listened to so many podcasts lately with people who are very successful entrepreneurs. And for many of them, their story included going and buying candy, taking it to school and selling it for more than they bought it and making a profit. And, and it's just as funny you bring that up. But it is true. You know, you look at a lot of these people today that we see here in the entrepreneurial world. They were pushing the lawnmower as kids. They were washing cars, the lemonade stands, all the things that kids did at an early age, you know, with that goal of making money. So let me ask you this. Do you think entrepreneurialism is something that is ingrained in you or can it be learned? I think it could be learned um, for sure. I, I don't think like again, I think I had these tendencies um, and over time they've developed and you know, naturally I've always wanted to do things. So I think there's definitely going to be people just sort of like me um, who, who always you know see things that other people don't see or you know, just you want to figure out a better way or uh, to, to do something. And of course, at the end result to make some money. So I think there's always going to be people that do that. Um, 
I think there's going to be people that are born into it. Like take my daughter, you mentioned lemonade stands. My daughter runs a lemonade stand every year. I mean, she crushes it. One, she made $108 on a Friday selling lemonade. So, she, and I, I love it. Like I want her to do that. So I, she'll learn some entrepreneurial stuff from me uh, because of me and how I am. So I think that there's, you know, that side of it too. And then there's people who aspire to be an entrepreneur and they can, if they put the work in and the dedication, they stick with it and they're consistent, they can see the fruits of that labor. Um, so I don't, so either way, I think if you really want to get somewhere um, and you aspire, it's all about the effort. And I think that it's just about putting the work in. Yeah. I think, you know, as you're talking to somebody who really didn't start as entrepreneurial journey until I was 41 years old. And there are certain things I probably had to learn later on in life. One of which being just enjoying the game, getting up every day and playing the game, knowing some days you're going to get your ass kicked and some days you're going to dominate. And it's every day is a new chance to play that game. And, you know, when you think about everybody talks about the grind of being an entrepreneur and we all have those moments we can go back to, those pivotal events where, call it the oh shit moment, where you were down to your last 10 bucks or, you know, do you have one of those moments that you can recall maybe early on in your career when you were like, holy shit, like, what am I doing? Yeah, I mean, I probably have, if you're going to be on the entrepreneurial journey for a while, and I'm probably headed on, you know, close to 20 years now. So, um, you know, really building, you know, trying to build businesses and stuff like that. So if you're in it for this long, you're going to see a lot of that. And you'll, you'll probably realize that, that many times you look back and say, man, I thought I was at rock bottom. And then this happened. And I was really at bottom, you know, and then something else is going to happen. You're, you're going to be at bottom again. So the good thing is, is that you feel you learn. Um, and then, and then you also know that you've been at least near this situation before and you can get out of there. So, yeah, I mean, for me, just, um, one small thing, um, and we'll probably get into more of you know my journey, but I did have a, my first career. I did work somewhere. So, um, I had a real job and, um, I was working at that job and I thought this was my forever job. So it was first corporate job. I, I went to school. They put, helped put me through school and I was going to stay there forever. I was dedicated. I wanted to work in the front office and all that stuff. And I see these guys, it was two sides. I worked in the factory. The other people went in and they had suits on, you know, everyone's all driving BMWs and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to be there. That's what I wanted to be. So I went to school, was busting my butt and, uh, I was there for a while. Again, they put me through school. I thought I was going to be there forever. They were going to put me up front. I was going to run the IT department. And I had all these aspirations. Uh, and one day I went into work and I got laid off. Um, and they were like, hey, you know, here's two weeks severance. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have to let you go. And I was like devastated. I was like, what do you mean? I'm the best you got. And I was, I was doing so well in the department that I was in that I felt like I was just such a high performer. How can they get rid of me? I was a guy that was going places. And um, I remember the plant manager, Noreen Connolly, she was like, you'll recover. If I let you go today, you will recover. You're going to go places. She's like, I have people that have been back there 30 years, 35 years. If I let them go, they got nowhere to go and they're never going to recover. So I didn't realize it at the time, but lost my job, two weeks severance, absolutely living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I was, I was broke <laughs> and I thought that was my rock bottom. I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? I have rent. It was due. I had credit card debt, school debt. I had all this debt and literally two weeks of, of money to my name. Um, and that's when I started my first company. 
Um, so that was that rock bottom that I hit that basically propelled me and forced me to start my own company. And then again, all the stuff that I've learned over this 20 year journey, because it's been just about 20 years since that happened, again, has put me right in this position where I'm at today. What would you, you know, if somebody's out there like I was ready to start their first journey into the world of entrepreneurialism, whether they're 22 years old or 44 years old, what would be your one piece of advice to them that either they need to be ready for, or, you know, if you could open up the crystal ball and show them what life's going to look like, what would be the advice you'd give them? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot that would, I would love to like, you know, have those conversations with people and say, Hey, here's this thing. Cause there's, there's always like, okay, what's the one thing. Um, I mean, for me, if someone is aspiring to be an entrepreneur, because I think a lot of people are nowadays, and I think there's a lot of different windows that you can look through. I think there's a lot of people that you can see on social media that appear to be doing great things. Um, so it's easy to get pulled into that and want to be, you know, Hey, I want to do that. Um, so I would say the biggest thing for someone who wants to get into the entrepreneurial journey is to make sure that you have a product that or a service or whatever it is that people are willing to pay money for. You need to be able to solve a problem for someone that says, okay, great. I will give you money to help solve that problem for me because I don't want to do it on my own or I can't do it on my own. That's the thing because anyone who says I'm not in it for the money can never be an entrepreneur because if you don't make money, then you can't pay the bills and you're never going to be able to survive. So I would say, look at what your idea is and look at the value that you're going to bring or the solution that you're going to bring to the problem that you're looking to solve. And that right there, if people will pay you, then, then that's a great start because that's how you can propel into many other things in your life. But if you have something that it's a great idea and no one's willing to buy it, you're either going to go broke really fast or you're going to get miserable and frustrated really fast or it's going to take a long time to get there. And those repercussions would be even worse, especially on your, on the mentality side. So I, I would, although there are a lot of things I would throw into the, you know, one thing that is a one big thing because I see a lot of people fail starting a business or starting out with this idea. And in year one, they don't make it because that's why the the failure rates are so high because of the fact that they don't do all the work necessary beforehand. And the big thing is, will people pay money for whatever this product or service is that you're going to sell? Yeah, sometimes ideas are just that, right? They're ideas. I mean, I can remember when I started my coaching business, I had those doubts. You know, mm -hmm. is somebody going to pay me to actually help them with their brand message, their marketing, whatever that might be? And it was that first moment I had of panic when I had decided to make this move. And I'm like, the question, the million dollar question is, are people going to pay for this? So you are absolutely right. Um, Let's talk about somebody who has been, I would say, both a mentor for you and I. You've actually had a chance to meet him. Um, I will say, I tell people all the time, when when I finally made the decision, Frank, to go out on my own, and again, I had already been a veteran, 20-year veteran of the health insurance industry before I decided to go out on my own, somebody who had a big impact on me was Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, because for up until that point for the, the previous two years, I had watched videos of him every single morning and just the mindset shifts he's allowed me to make is really what gave me that confidence to actually move forward with my business idea. Now you have actually had a chance to meet him. And so I'd love for you to talk about, you know, how did you earn the opportunity to sit down one-on-one -on -one with Gary Vee 
And what were some of the maybe business lessons he taught you in that encounter you had? Um, so yeah, meeting Gary V. Sort of, I was in the same spot where you were. Loved Gary V. Uh, consuming all of his content. You know, I couldn't get enough. I would just watch over it. I would take. I had a whole book. I still have it in my house. A whole book of notes and things that he would say and just highlight stuff and circle it a hundred times. So I was there as a huge fan of his. And um, he, th there was a thing. It was like a pilot. Um, I don't think it was a real thing yet, but it's called, it's today it is, but it was called four D's. Um, and Gary V has a thing where basically you pay money. You can go meet Gary V and Gary V, you know, you can, you pay enough money. He'll be on your podcast, you know, he'll come talk to your crew, whatever. And you can go see him too. So this thing was four D's where people, they basically opened up a couple slots for people to go. Um, if they told the story and, and I did, and I submitted something to, to Gary and his team. I was picked as a finalist. They interviewed me, kind of heard my backstory, all this stuff. Um, and they reached out to me about, I don't know, maybe a month before. Um, and uh, they said, hey, we picked you. You're the finalist. And they had to do all these background checks. And they did it so much because um, I guess <laughs> just, you know, who, who Gary is. Um, and I was, I was picked as one of the people to go to four D's and, and there was probably 10 people there. Um, and it's a whole immersive day. It started at like 8 AM and we ran to like eight o'clock at night, but part of it was actually getting one-on-one -on -one time with Gary and being able to talk to him, ask him questions. Um, so for me, it was not only just sitting there and I was like this guy who I've idolized forever. Um, and it was so just surreal him being there and like, he just was like, it was like watching him on TV. It was just so normal and he was just so cool. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was awesome. Um, so, I mean, I was been able, I was able to ask him questions and things like that. Um, and his team was really just awesome to be around too. So it was an awesome experience um, overall with not only meeting him after, you know, a couple of years of consuming his content, but also just being able to, to get some, quick advice from him too. He's just because he is, he's just like, he, he, like, you know, if you ever see him interview or talk to someone and he's like, boom, boom, boom. And you're like, Oh my God, why didn't I think of that? Or you know, how did I not see that? And he sees stuff so fast. Um, so it was really cool to kind of talk through him just about, you know, where my business was, um, where I wanted to take it. Um, and I'll tell you, it'd be, it'd be, if he hadn't remembered me, you know, three years later, cause it was May of 2018. I met him. Um, if he remembered me, um, it'd be cool to just tell the story about where I, where I'm at now, because I, I feel like he, he sort of, he believed I was going to get, I was going to be successful. Um, so it was pretty cool. Um, and it'd be you know, nice to be like, Hey, look, yeah, I made it. So, well, is there anything I'm curious? Cause you're right. Gary V's often, um, criticized for cutting people off, mm. you know, kind of interrupting people. But in his words, he says, I do it because I already know what you're going to ask me. Sure. Um, but were there any, you know, any big takeaways from that day with him that you, you applied to your business and you could, where you could specifically tie it to maybe some of your success, success, uh, success today, especially with this Inc 5000 distinction? Yeah. So one of the things was, um, you know, I mentioned like, Hey, you know, I, I broke the seven figure mark in business, you know, so everyone uh, and so many entrepreneurs aspire to be at seven figures. Like, I want to be you know, a seven figure entrepreneur. And, and I was like, you know, I got we I beaten that milestone. Um, but how do you get to eight? You know, how, how do you start? How do you build that next step? Um, 
And the thing that he was really open about, we talked about like my team, the people I had on my team, talked about like sales, uh, how we generate money. And he just rattled off so many things about um, just the relationships and the people that, you know, who buy from us and who we, who, who are going to, um, uh, be, be the ones that either make the introductions because my, as you know, it's a weird little, the way we deliver things is we have, we work with insurance brokers and consultants and, and we work with their clients. So how do we get to them and how do we continue to build the relationships? And his, his thing was just double down on, on your, your, the, the relationships of people who see the value in what you're bringing and forget about the people that, that don't, if, if you, you need to know who you want to work with um, and identify your ideal partner. And that's what we did. We, we really focused on looking at who, do, who are the people we want to work with? You know, what are they, what, it was weird. Cause we, he was like, he said to us like, what types of TV shows do they watch? You know, what, where do they hang out? You know, what do they eat? What do they drink? Start guessing that and thinking of your ideal people. And then you build the funnel based on these type of people who want to get to know, to like you and get to know you um, and all that stuff. And, and it actually worked. Because we started to look at, you can tell when you meet someone or you interact with people, are, are they are, are they someone who I you know, really want to partner up with? Um, and in doing that, it, it's, we've evolved over the years, but we now work really closely with people who like vibe with us, who really feel part of the team with us and people who treat us like a commodity. I mean, we are quick to be like, not us. You know, go find another solution, but we're probably not a good fit for you. And that was probably the biggest thing was just doubling down on who uh, who our ideal client was. Well, and I'm sure another piece of advice Gary gave you was double down on your content, which you have done a massive job with. And and when you think of some of the platforms out there today on social media that you can be using to grow your business, LinkedIn is one of the most effective tools to be using. And you have built a massive following on LinkedIn with almost 50,000 followers at this point in time. So let's talk about that. You know, Gary's a big believer in LinkedIn. You and I have both used LinkedIn to grow our businesses with more and more people coming to the platform, Frank. What are some of the things you see people doing today that we could just simply call a mistake? What are, what are some of the don'ts when it comes to using a platform like LinkedIn to grow your business? Um, well, you're right. LinkedIn is definitely where it, it's a great platform. Um, Gary V was actually, the, he told me, um, to make video on LinkedIn. He was the one who pushed me towards that and said, go create content. And I was like, no way. Like, who's going to listen to me? People, you know, I'm, I have nothing to talk about. And he was like, you go make content on LinkedIn. It's going to change your life. Um, and that was, you know, has professionally and personally, it, it definitely did. Um, so for sure, I, he definitely saw that. Um, and again, it's only been three, a little over, well, three and a half years, but it's still a great place. I believe, uh, a, a good opportunity for people. Um, I think where people are doing things wrong, um, and I ran into some of this myself, so I'm saying this speaking from experience. Um, it's, tr it's there's a, don't make it a popularity contest. Um, mm -hmm. If I could tell anyone that's listening in right now that wants to build a following on LinkedIn um, or you know, build a presence on LinkedIn, period, I would say don't. It, it's not a popularity contest. Um, likes and views, uh, they don't pay the bills. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you this, the people that have bought from me 
over the years. And I definitely have built part of my business because of the fact that people follow me on LinkedIn and have seen my content and have built relationships. Um, they are, they're people who relate to me. Um, and then I'm like a, you know, like, uh, I'm a, a just portion of that, um, that they want to do business with EBM. You know, they like Frank, you know, they get to know me and then it's like, oh yeah. And we see that you do this and guess what? We have a need for that. So it's, I'm like the funnel and the, through the filter of, of how they work with us. Um, but I think it's a popularity piece. You know, I got wrapped up in it myself. Um, I would say that don't make it about popularity. Um, you know, don't go chasing likes and stuff like that. You put out good content of people that you, you want to talk to. And again, sort of like Gary V told me, the people that you want to do business with, um, and don't sell to them, but that's who you want to talk to. Create content around those people and build relationships with those people. Um, and that's how you that's how you'll build not only a following, but you can build the business too, because it's all gonna be relationship driven. Would you find it important, uh, being that you are the founder of EBM, but you're also the face of EBM? Uh, I think what you said was just uh, spot on. What you're using the platform to do is to get people to know and like you. And through you, through that filter that is Frank Mengert, people are going to naturally want to do business with EBM. And so if you are, uh, if there's a business owner listening, to this interview right now. And they're a little skeptical, maybe a little hesitant to put themselves out there on a platform like LinkedIn. Would you encourage them to use that as an opportunity to get people to really know them and like them? Because at the end of the day, it's going to have a positive impact on their business. So, um, yeah, I just keep bringing Gary V into the picture, but <laughs> so one of the things that the whole, like people love Gary V you see Vayner media, you see all this stuff. And it's always like Gary V is like the guy that you see everywhere speaking and he's on podcasts and he has all this knowledge, but he, he has eight, 800,000 employees and all this business that comes through, not because Gary's running around, like servicing all these clients. Um, so what Gary's done is used his presence and his authority and his knowledge and, and him as the poster boy of his company to get people in to want to do business with him. And people, if they want to work with Gary Vee directly, they're going to pay a ton of money. And a really well-respected uh, coach that I hired told me the, basically the same thing. He said, you are like a version of Gary Vee. Frank Mangert has a company that people see everywhere, that people get to know me and like me and trust me and see my content and all this stuff. But when they want to work with EBM, they're not working with Frank. Um, but I'm attracting them in and then they work with people on my team and, and you know, salespeople or whoever it is that they're going to work with and they become clients. And that's what I, I didn't really realize that at first, the beauty of that. So me putting myself out there, creating content and, and doing things in the industry or even outside of the industry that got to know people and they make introductions and referrals and things like that. It's like this presence that you got Frank Mangert's kind of the guy, the, the face of EDM, but Behind there is this great company and people that come through the, you know, the door seeking Frank or seeking learning more about Frank, learn about the business, and then they do business. They end up doing business with us. That is 100% fact. And so many people that we do business with mention LinkedIn. You're the LinkedIn guy, you know, all this stuff. I see your content, love it, you know, this and that. And they know stuff about me too because I've talked about personal stuff throughout the time. So I would say absolutely. For someone who's trying to build a brand, 
um, you know, I, Frank Mangert built the Frank Mangert personal brand, but I've also built Frank Mangert, the brand of the company that I run that is now extremely successful. Um, and I get to kind of parlay that uh, as I continue to build the company by using, you know, continuing to use my brand. Yeah, I would say you are one of the definitions of what it means to create top of mind awareness. And as you said earlier, you know, when you just stop chasing the likes and the comments, and you just use the platform as a means to create content that's valuable, but at the end of the day, puts me top of mind in your world, good things happen. Hmm. And you guys have obviously done that with the growth you guys have. With the few minutes we have left, Frank, let's just, let's talk about your business. For the person listening in who doesn't know EBM, um, again, we're not all, I know we're not all in the insurance industry, but tell us a little bit about EBM and who is that ideal target client you're looking to work with? Sorry. Um, so yeah, so EBM is a tech firm. Um, and, and, and I started EBM 10 years ago for the same reason that EBM exists today. Um, I knew it's funny thing is again, at the time I didn't realize it because I, I realize it now, but I was looking to solve a problem for insurance brokers that they didn't want to solve it themselves, but they were willing to pay people to do. That's exactly what I talked about earlier. This is exactly how I started this business. And that, Today is the same reason why EBM exists today. Although we've evolved and things have changed, there are people out there that need employee benefits technology. They need those solutions for employers, for enrollment, for education, for compliance. And there's solutions out there that they can go and buy. They can invest in people and staff and resources and have all, they can have that all in-house. The problem is you're going to spend millions of dollars just like I did. I mean, I spent all the money for you. Don't do it. You can work with me, spend zero dollars, and you can have access to everything that I built over this painstaking 10 years and have people and the resources and the platforms and everything that you need. So we are basically an extension of an employer or broker's team to provide employee benefits technology for their clients. And we do it nationally um, without the investment in technology. So you want to be in the tech business, then you don't, you don't need Frank. Um, but chances are, if you've been in the tech business, you realize the roller coaster ride that is, and you probably don't want to be in it. Um, or you know that you need the tech for your clients to attract, win, and retain business, but you don't want to be that person and you need the strategic partner. And that's exactly who we are. That's awesome. You know, I think you just also hit on another very important topic, which is, you know, you can't be the jack of all trades, especially in the insurance industry, right? You have brokers who are trying to do everything for their clients in-house when the real answer is sitting outside. It's outsourcing. It's connecting with the right experts that are going to help you bring the best value to your client. And you guys, I would say hands down are the number one expert when it comes to benefits technology. And I want to wrap up by asking this question, Frank, you know, here you are, you've had EBM now for what, nine years. Is that right? Yeah. Almost 10. Yeah. And I'm sure you can remember what day one was like and all the way up to leading up to this path this year when you win that Inc. 5000 is one of the fastest growing companies in America. What did that, when you look back on your nine, 10 years at EBM, heck, your 20 years in on this journey, what did that award mean to you? Well, it was sort of the, it just solidifies all the hard work because again, if, when you're an entrepreneur, no one will really understand the journey that you go through except you. 
Now, people will support it and people will be there for you. You know, my, my wife has been extremely supportive. My mom has been extremely supportive. Family members, friends, always there to support you and stuff. But no one really understands how it is because there's some dark and there's some lonely times when you go through and you're like, man, you, you have imposter syndrome. I mean, I've dealt with it so many times. I'm not cut out for this. I'm not ready for this. I, I, who am I to even be in this position? And all these things, you second guess yourself because you start to see failure and you wonder like, man, I should probably just be working somewhere and not having to worry about this. So it happens so often, but no one can relate. Um, and even when you surround yourself with a group of great entrepreneurs that have been where you've been before, it's still, it's still you and your journey. And it's always very unique and very specific, but to get the award, um, was basically, it, it was a stamp to say, you're not, a, you're not an imposter, that you are good enough, that you did all this work and you made it. Um, and that's no one, no one is going to feel better than you because you know, all these years of all the times and tribulations that you go through. Um, so for me, it was just a, that pat on the back that, that only I can get, um, and, and, and that only I know I needed. Um, and that was really it that to me was like, you know what y you made it. And, and what it did was it made me hungry. Cause I was just talking to my CFO and I'm like, we're going to be on there for 2021. I mean, we just had the best year ever. So now it's good. Now we're ink 20, uh, 5,000 for 2021. And then we want 2022. So it's, it, it pushes me farther now, um, which is always great too, because sometimes people get complacent. So yeah, it's, it, that was just, you know, what I needed to say, keep going, man. Well, and it also validated you were a 20 year overnight success, right? It doesn't happen overnight for sure. So Frank, let's, uh, last question for you, for those who are listening in, who want to get more of Frank, maybe hire you as a speaker, because if you haven't heard speak, uh, uh Frank speak on stage before, he is phenomenal. What are the best ways to get in touch with you? Uh, I mean, best way is probably still LinkedIn. I've been slacking there with showing up a little bit, just I've been focusing on some things and stuff like that. But the best way you can hit me up on LinkedIn, send me a DM. Um, and I'm more than happy to, to chat with you there. Um, that's probably, yeah, number one, if you want to find me or, or hit me up there, connect. Um, absolutely. You know, just my name, Frank Mangert, you find me pretty easily. Um, and that's, yeah, I would direct people there. Awesome. Well, Frank, I want to thank you for your time today. I know you're a busy man. Um, thank you for sharing your journey with us. Um, I think for a lot of people listening in right now, it's easy to want to give up. It's easy to want to give in and say, who am I? I am not cut out to do this. Uh, but uh, you are definitely that vision of consistency, persistency, and patience, which are three words I think have to have to define every entrepreneur. And I think you have defined all three of those. So Frank, thank you. Appreciate it. And for everybody else listening in, you know what happens when you get that clarity, you get that confidence and they come together, massive action happens. Go make it happen today. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening into this week's episode. And if you know of any other high achievers like yourself that you think would benefit from this episode, please do me a favor. Please share this with them. You would help me go a long way in sharing this message, getting this message out to as many people as possible. I'd be forever grateful. And if you really found benefit from today's episode, do me a favor, go subscribe to the podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a great review. It always helps to make sure that this podcast is getting in front of as many ears and eyeballs as possible. Thank you.